Hey everyone, I'm Mr. Hertzler and this is Hertzler University. I want to talk to you about camping. I know it isn't for everyone, but it is for some and it's really something for my wife and I. So we're frequent campers and it always surprises us when people say they have never been camping. Like anything, it could be just some hobby or it could be something that's really expensive. But it could just be a way that saves you money and helps you explore the world. And that's the one that my wife and I take it as. And I want to talk to you about our experiences and kind of some different styles and things to keep in mind as you go. So let's get started. So why do we camp? It's an important question, right? And I'll admit, part of it is just because we straight up like the outdoors. We enjoy being outside. It's, I don't know, maybe a novel concept at this point, but we really do enjoy it. So there is even research that indicates that being outside has all kinds of great benefits to it. So there's a study from the University of Pittsburgh back in 2005, and they happened to say and find that spinal surgery patients experienced less pain and stress after surgery if they were just exposed to natural light. How awesome is that? Just putting you near a window is helpful. They even took fewer pain medications, and there's a study even older than that one, uh, which I guess is not always good, right? Sometimes you want new studies, but 2005 is not that old. And either way, it supports my idea, and I like that. Though, don't do that, people. That's that's not good. Anyway, so there was an older study that showed that looking at a brick wall and looking at a window through of trees, and there was a noticeable difference between their recoveries. So looking out a window at a brick wall or looking at a window and seeing trees, and there was a noticeable difference in recoveries. So for my wife and I, being outside is a way to decompress, to unplug from this fast-paced world that we often spend so much time in. Being outdoors also has this amazing ability to bring us closer together, at least my wife and I. So if you spend a few nights in a hotel with each other, then you can still brush your teeth at different times. You can play on your phone before you go to sleep. There's all kinds of other things that you can just do separately, even if you're in just one room like a hotel is. But when you're going camping together, you have to do everything together. My wife gets out the toothbrushes and water, and then, you know, I should brush my teeth then too. Because if not, well, she's going to have to pack that stuff back up. I'm going to have to go in when I brush my teeth and unpack it, and then I have to repack it. It's just too many packings and unpackings. So we just do those things together. And it just adds more work for everyone if you don't. When you go camping, we have a general no-phone policy, except, of course, for photos. So playing on your phone isn't really an option either. Most of the places we go, there's not great cell service, so you wouldn't want to be on your phone. And all of these little things compile into a great time of relying on each other for support and just efficiency's sake. Through all of this, we end up being so much closer at the end of the trip than if we would have just stayed in a hotel somewhere. So let's go back to the spending time outdoors. My wife and I enjoy, enjoy outdoor activities like hiking, fishing, kayaking, bike riding, and all kinds of things like that. This often takes us to parks, and the most natural way to explore the parks, especially the ones that are a little bit farther away than just a day drive, is to spend the night there. So for us, it just makes sense to do camping. But there are practical reasons why we camp, too. I like to go back to this trip I took in college, actually. I went to an Ohio Council of Teachers of Math. I know, sounds super nerdy, but I went to an OZTM conference. Yeah, a conference that's full of teachers It's and about math. It's a bunch of math teachers. It's a great time. But it was about two hours from where I lived, and I had to be down there really early so I can get in there and you know get to the programs I wanted to see. So I went down the night before, but like I said, I was in college. I was a broke guy. I had no money, uh, very, very little money, um, but I didn't want to spend a whole bunch of money on a hotel, so I got a campsite, 25 bucks, and I slept in a tent. It just made sense. It was just practical to do that. It resulted in saving over 100 bucks, right? It was down in Cincinnati, and I mean, it's not like hotel rooms are expensive, but they're also not cheap, and my wife and I take this same ideology with us wherever we go. 
we started taking longer trips in recent years. We just happened to have some, you know, time built up with our jobs, and it was an easier option for us. Uh, or I guess not easier option, but it was an option. And so we started spending longer than a week. And when you spend longer than a week camping on the ground, it really becomes uncomfortable. A couple days, it's it's fine. You know, I'm currently in film in recording this. I'm 27. My wife's 26. We can handle a couple of nights on the ground, but more than a week, like two weeks, becomes problematic. So we weren't going to spring for the hotel. It was just way too expensive. And also there weren't any around the places we were going to because, again, we like to travel outdoors and there's not a lot of hotels in like the backcountry and places. So we decided to take some of that money we saved by camping instead of like some fancy beach trip. And we used that money to make the camping a little bit more enjoyable. So we spent 50 bucks on like a really nice inflatable mattress. Yeah, 50 bucks is a really nice one. It was awesome. We spent 50 bucks so that we could camp for $25 a night for like two weeks. And that's way cheaper than if we would have spent even less time in a hotel, right? One week in a hotel is still going to cost more than that $25 a night plus the 50 bucks for the mattress. This still results in some huge savings for us. And we were able to spend two weeks out there. It was great. Spending small amounts of money to make what your camping experience is a little bit more enjoyable still end up with a way lower opportunity cost than if you were to stay in a hotel. So enough about why we camp. Let's discuss what things you actually need in order to go camping. So there's some basics, right? So first of all, we will discuss uh, how we got started a little bit, and then you know I'll talk about what some things we do now. But more important, it just keep in mind that you start off small. You don't start off with a whole lot of things, and, and then you acquire things as you go, right? Like the last one, I was spending two weeks camping with my wife, so we decided instead of spending all that money on a hotel, all right, let's buy the slightly more you know slightly expensive inflatable mattress and then we'll get some extra time out of it and we'll have a better sleeping experience anyway little things like that is how you accumulate all of this in the end for one night you can find just sleep on the ground like take a couple of towels with you and lay down and, and sleep on those you'll be fine but anyway you, you accumulate those things over time start off small people start off small make sure you like it first all right so there are three basics to camping I'm not going to talk about the entertainment part of camping necessarily. We're not going to go into fishing and kayaking and stuff, but let's discuss the essentials of shelter, water, and food. So for shelter, I started camping in Boy Scouts a long, long time ago, so I have no clue what my first tent ever was. But the first tent I purchased was a $70, and it was from Walmart. It was that classic green Coleman tent. It was supposed to sleep four people. I thought, you know, that's a good size, right? I put a dog in there, and I you know, some, a buddy sometime and plan, plenty of room for gear, that kind of thing. Actually, a quick note on tent size. So when figuring out the size of a tent, I would add up all the people that plan on sleeping in it, plus one person for every three people's worth of gear. So if there's two people, I wouldn't go smaller than at least a three-person tent. If there's four people, then a five or six person would be good, right? Because you have to have some room for gear, and those four people are going to straight up fill a four-person tent. And look at the, how they have everybody mapped in there. Because often a four-person tent, they've got three people going, we'll say vertical, and then the fourth one is actually sleeping at the feet or the heads of everybody else. So keep that in mind too. And if you're going to spend an extended time in a tent, for example, the two-week trip my wife and I have started to take, well, we stay in a, I think it's a 10-person tent. It's definitely up there. I'm I'm going to be pretty confident and say it's a 10-person tent. And it's not that big when it gets to be two weeks. If it were a weekend, it's a long time. Even a long weekend, it's still a big tent. I, I meant to say a big tent a second ago. Anyway, 10-person tent is really big for a couple of nights, but for two weeks, it's awesome. You can bring in your camp chairs. You can have just a good time if it's pouring down rain and stuff inside the tent, 
and that's really nice. You can stand up, walk around, you know, those kinds of things. It's, it's just good that way. But it also allows us to, uh, to like really hang out in there on rainy days, right? Um, you could bring in your chairs. You could bring in a small table. You could play cards in there. It just makes for a more enjoyable experience. But I would at least double the size of whatever tent you plan on being in if you plan on being in it for something like two weeks. Keep in mind the savings by camping instead of taking a hotel. So this means if you would sleep in a hotel or you could purchase a bigger tent, well, staying in a bigger tent is still going to end up costing you less money, right? It's way cheaper in the long run to just buy a more expensive tent and camp in that sucker. Even a $500 tent, which is not as crazy as you might think, that's five nights in a hotel, probably not even five nights in a hotel. And you could definitely then use that more than five nights while a hotel you can't. So just keep those kinds of things in mind. Anyway, a cheap tent can get you by for a long time. My wife and I are still using that $70 tent, and it's 12 years old, and it has been used and abused. We have been camping in the snow, and they're pouring down rain. Hot, hot days hasn't been a problem. We've even taken that thing backpacking, and it's not a backpacking tent, so the sucker's heavy. Anyway, it doesn't quite fit in with the shelters, but we have to talk about hammocks here. Hammocks are amazing. My wife and I regularly sleep in hammocks while camping. The only times that we really don't are if the temperature gets below freezing and if we have the dog with us. The dog doesn't sleep in a hammock well. She'll nap in a hammock. Like If my wife's napping in a hammock, that'll work, but not for a long sleep. She wants to move around too much. And if there's no trees at all, then like it's just really hard and it's not worth doing, in my opinion. As long as you set them up correctly, though, they can be way more comfortable than sleeping on, a, on the ground in a tent. Back in my college days, there were actually nights when I would come home to my parents' house, and I just didn't like the way the bed felt anymore. Apparently, I liked the one I had in college. And uh, I would actually go outside and sleep in a hammock while I was at their house for the weekend. It was kind of crazy, I guess. I don't know what they thought of me, but it's what happened. So if you give hammocks a try, I would highly recommend them. Or if you haven't, sorry. If you haven't given them a try, I would highly recommend it. It is completely different level of freedom when you're actually sleeping in a tree. And don't give up the first few times either. It does take a little bit of research, some trial, some trial runs, figuring out what angles and what levels of tightness, right? Because you can pull that really tight between two trees, keep it kind of loose. My wife likes it tighter than I like it. It's just the way it is for you. It's just like a mattress, right? Some are too hard, some are too soft. For hammocks, the angle's too steep or the angle's too shallow or it's too taut or not tight enough. So check it out a little bit, mess around with it, you know, you'll figure it out. Now onto water. Most people have running water at home, so you end up not even really thinking about it much. But when you go camping, there are all kinds of issues that come with water. One that my wife and I ran into this past winter was the fact that many campgrounds just shut down their water over the winter. So we had to bring jugs from home. And, and it's a practical thing for them, right? They're not there all the time. People are camping less anyway. And their pipes freeze, and it's a problem for them. So I'm not blaming them. It's just it is the way it is. And, you know, you look that up on their website, and you make sure everything's open, and you figure that out. So um, when car camping, it's not too big of a deal. But, uh, you know, we bring either a 5-gallon collapsible jug or a 7-gallon, like, rigid water cooler or water jug. And we just we filled those up. We could take those with us. We usually just bring one of those, but each one has a different purpose, right? The seven-gallon one is super convenient. Uh, it's really easy to use, but the five-gallon one takes up way less space. So if it's a really big, long trip, you want the big one because it's more user-friendly and everything, but the collapsible one just fits in there when you don't have the space. Oh, and also, a little note here. Usually there are places at a campground to fill up. So just never use a creek, people. Either bring the water with you if there's not going to be water there, but don't just fill up your jug in any local water source. You have to purify or clean that stuff in some form or fashion. All right, you never know what might be living in that stuff. 
The blue rigid jug is easier, like I said, but it takes up a lot more space. And when you have to carry that jug back and forth, so the seven gallon one, it gets really stinking heavy. But when you carry that jug back from the spigot, you end up really being conscious of how much water you're using. If you're using seven gallons every day for two people, you're using it wrong. Okay, I think it's the Red Cross recommends about a gallon per day per person. And sometimes camping, you're drinking a lot of water, so you might use a little bit more than that. But I mean, seven gallons is a lot. Calm down, people. And we often, we opt for hand sanitizer when we can, and we'll use a small Tupperware container to kind of rinse our hands off. And uh, it just saves water, and it also gives you kind of a sink-like feel. So we keep our drinking water actually in a separate container. So you know, you know those big plastic insulated water coolers you'll see at a party, like an outdoor party or a sporting event or something? Yeah, those are the kind we use for drinking water. It can make a huge difference on a hot day to come back to the campsite and have some ice-cold drinking water. Oh, it's nice. So I packed that thing full of ice, and I even used some Tupperware containers, and I'll freeze them up a couple days before, like big giant blocks of ice this way. And I will throw those in the cooler because they'll last forever. It is awesome. Now, not forever, but they'll last a way longer time than the little tiny ice nuggets you can get from the gas station. So though it takes up a lot of space in the, the vehicle, whatever we're taking, because it, it's five gallons and it's insulated, it's big. It takes up a lot of space, but it is worth it if you can to have that cold water. It also comes in handy at sporting events and parties, so there's that. And if you have a big SUV or a truck for camping, I would highly recommend it. You just you don't have to worry about space as much that way, and it, it's so awesome to have cold water. All right, so for on-the-go water, I personally prefer the bladder-style container. So that's the kind of like it's a big sack with a straw attached to it that like slides down your backpack. I like it. A lot of people are against it because they're heavier, but I like it mostly because I think I drink more water when I can just suck it from my straw instead of having to take off my backpack, pull out my water bottle, or my wife pull out my water bottle, hand it to me, I drink it, put it all back in there. It's just a whole thing. A little gnat flying around me. I also don't have to bring multiple containers that way. It's just the one bladder. It's awesome. And it kind of keeps your back cool on those hot days because it, it's nice that way. One bladder typically holds about three liters. Some of them are smaller, but mine is three. And that's plenty for a day hike. It's plenty for even like a decently long hike. The only exception to this policy is when we're backpacking, we'll also throw a Nalgene-style water bottle in each of our bags. So Nalgene is just a brand, but it's one that happens to have, uh, it's clear, has all of the little numbers along the side, so I can tell how much I'm drinking. More importantly, when we're backpacking, we can tell how much we're pouring into maybe a rehydrated freeze-dried meal, or if we're cooking rice, we have some kind of measuring cup that way. And I also, I just feel better about having a full gallon of water for each of us that we're carrying when we start off the trail. And then there's also that one backup because I you have to have backups of everything, right? At least I do because I'm like that. But if you need to ever use one of those filter straws, like those life straws or something, then having a water bottle for it, way easier than having to fill up a bladder and then trying to like use that in your bladder. It's a whole thing. So I recommend if you're going backpacking or plan on using one of those straws to have some kind of water bottle. Speaking of which, when we're backpacking, there are places that'll have designated water stations. With It's either water in a big underground tank, which is what I've seen in a lot of the places, or it's in jugs that you can fill up from. So that'll happen more like on the Appalachian Trail and stuff. The AT, as they call it. But if that isn't the case, then you'll have to bring some kind of filter or some way to purify your water, because you might be getting it from a creek or a lake or something else. I would pick a creek over a lake, but that's just me. Most people use a gravity or pump style filter. And uh, other people will use some kind of chlorination or iodine tablets. You can see those on the internet. They're all over the place. I personally prefer a high-quality filter. I just like knowing that I can just keep pumping that water and keep making water safe. 
right? I could pump a whole lot more than like that little bottle of iodine tablets you keep throwing and stuff, right? I just prefer being able to pump it. I don't know why. It's just it's what I like. Uh, but those uh, water stations, usually lots of places, a lot of, all the places my wife and I have been to so far have those. Um, so if you don't want to have to worry about those other sources, then make sure you're picking a backpacking trail that has water stations on it. And I would definitely, though, throw in one of those filtering straws in your bag just in case. Because, you know, you never know. Maybe they're out of the water at that tank and you don't want to go thirsty. And those are real easy, right? Fill up your Nalgene or whatever water bottle you use and toss a straw and you're good to go. So now on to the most delicious part, food. This is where camping can often be overwhelming, especially the people that we've gone camping with because we kind of have a lofty camping food meals plan thing. So there's no need to go crazy, though. You really don't have to. My wife and I are pretty well seasoned, just like our cast iron. But anyway, you don't have to start off that way. We even go simple sometimes too. It's just, it's nice sometimes to be simple. By simple, you could just throw a bag of hot dogs and buns and, and call dinner done, right? Worst case scenario, it's pouring down rain, you're boiling water over a little camp stove while you're hunkered down over the back hatch of your car and the little camp stove. It's just that classic Coleman one. And I, I've never done that or anything, of course. But it's just that classic Coleman stove, right? You can find it on Amazon. It's like one of the most inexpensive stoves. and Or it could be a super expensive backpacking stove. They all boil water, folks. It's, it's not a hard thing to do. But hopefully you can start a fire and cook over the beautiful flames of a campfire using sticks as your hot dog roasters, people. It's not a complicated operation. Or you can go for the classic peanut butter and jelly. It's always a go-to for us, mostly for lunches, but it's perfectly fine and easy for all meals, really. Breakfast, you could boil some water, make some oatmeal, or you could just grab an apple or banana or whatever and a granola bar or all combination thereof. It can be really simple is what I'm trying to get at here. Or you could also make it quite intricate. So to kind of paint a picture there, we almost always, like the last several years for sure, definitely since we've been married, so at least four years now, we do this huge family cookout on Labor Day, and usually somebody's cooking a big thing of soup. It's usually ham bone or chili. It's for like 20 people. Everybody brings a side. Someone cooks a whole bunch of uh, like cornbread, and I have been cooking dessert for quite some time now, actually, and it's always, at least so far, it's always been a classic upside-down pineapple cake. These are notorious for being good cast-iron cakes, so don't think I'm that cool, but of course, cooking anything over the fire does add some skill. Or, you know, you need to have some skills, and uh, I got them, so that's that's kind of nice sometimes. Anyway, you can make anything from home while camping. That's kind of the cool thing. Sometimes you just need some extra tools, like a Dutch oven or some cast iron uh, pots and pans, and it's just exciting. You can do whatever you want as long as you have those right tools, or if you're willing to kind of bend some things and make it happen for you, right? That's an option, too. The only difference in, is the amount of prep time and cleanup time. Without having running water, all of those and all of those kitchen tools that you have, it could take an unusually long time to cook sometimes. So for us, eating is most of the day's activities. So we don't mind the extra time and the effort and the extra effort. We enjoy working together. We you know enjoy preparing the fire and then of course the overeating that comes after. But again, you can keep this simple. Pie irons are a great way to make pie iron pizzas or a grilled sandwich. You can also make pies. And if you don't know what a pie iron is, do a quick search and look at the images, right? Pie iron. It's essentially a way to cook a sandwich over a fire. If you just have pizza sauce and cheese and you put that between two slices of bread and put it in your pie iron, boom, pie iron pizza. If you throw pie filling from a can, like just classic, you know, cherry pie filling, you know, scoop that out of the can, put it between two slices of bread, boom, 
personal pie, and they're delicious. Even peanut butter and jelly becomes quite tastier when the fire gives it a few licks. So don't worry if you burn the first few because everyone does, right? It takes me like three of them every year, it seems, before I'm really like ready to go and understand how fast that fire cooks stuff. It surprises me often how hot that fire really is. All right. Anyway, we've talked about all of that. Now here's where I get to show off a little bit. Let's talk about where we've camped. So we've camped in a lot of awesome places. I'll start off with my favorite, Hawaii. Yes, that is right. We camped on Maui and the Big Island. It was amazing. We only spent one night camping on Maui. We actually spent two weeks almost in a condo, but then we got a couple of days left over before we had to fly to the Big Island, and we, we camped there. I guess not a couple of days, just one night, but we camped one night on Maui's beaches, and whew, amazing. We were right on the beach. It was so beautiful. It was actually a private campground, not a state campground or anything, which are always more expensive, but it was still like 45 bucks a night, and we're staying in Hawaii, so you can't complain about that. You had flush toilets. They had running showers, so nothing was bad about this place except the chickens. Oh my gosh, the chickens. They were everywhere and roosted right above our tent. And of course, started waking everyone up at 3 a.m. At first, you know, you wake up, you're angry, you're grumpy, you're Argh. but then you just have to laugh. Who would have thought that feral chickens were going to be a problem on Maui? I mean, I, apparently it's a common problem. They've got an issue with it, but still, I didn't know that. Blew my mind. I also have to tell you about dinner that night because, you know, we've talked about food here. So remember how I told you you can keep it really, really simple. Well, we were only camping for the one night, and you can't fly to Hawaii with most backpacking stoves. We did it with our tent and stuff, but most stoves are a problem, and you definitely can't haul fuel, and I don't want to have to buy fuel, and then it, it was a whole thing. So we just bought some ramen from the grocery store, right, classic, and then we went to Starbucks. And we asked them, did the little drive through deal, and we were like, hey, can we get a couple of hot waters? And they were kind of like, what? I was like, yeah, just some large hot waters, please. And boom, dinner served. Right? They give you the hot water. You crack your ramen a couple of times, throw it in this little thing or the little cup, and you let it sit there for a minute. Boom. It was amazing, actually. It was the first time I'd ever had ramen, and it is still one of my favorite camping meal stories. Another quick note, though. We set up our tent uh, that we didn't – sorry. We set up our tent. And we actually did fly to Hawaii with it. So I, I just do want to bring that up. How neat is that? But we then realized that the sand was way less comfortable to sleep on than we actually thought. So I happen to remember this time where my parents used like inflatable pool mat things to make camping a little bit better. So we went to a dollar store. We purchased these inflatable pool mats, like what you would kind of float around in at a pool. has like the pillow built in, that kind of thing. It's like five bucks a piece. And we had amazing night's sleep, right? We used that to sleep on and. In a second, I'll tell you about another camping opportunity that we got to use these things. But we slept really, really well, at least until 3 a.m. or so when the chickens. Ugh, chickens. All right, so next camping story. We actually stayed in Hawaii again for this one. Now we're on the big island, though. We camped at Volcano National Park right before it ended up having a pretty big eruption, too, which was kind of neat. But we could see the glow of Lava Lake from the campsite. If you don't know what Lava Lake is, you should look it up. It was pretty neat, but I highly recommend it. Such a great experience. Since it was a national park, you either pay for your spot online or you can go over to the little kiosk. And and that's like the little sign thing that you can usually run into with like maps and stuff. It has envelopes. You fill them out. Put your money in. It's pretty easy. And don't worry to if you end up not finding it late at night or you don't know how to fill it out. Just ask someone the next morning. It's not a problem. 
and uh, and we stayed at the park for about a week, mostly eating sandwiches and hot dogs. Cause I mean, we flew there, right? We're not gonna have a whole lot of stuff with us. We didn't have a cooler, none of that. So it's super easy. Uh, we did super easy food because we weren't really interested in cooking, right? We're in Hawaii. We want to explore this place. We can practice cooking when we're home. So this it resulted in us spending about twenty five bucks a night to stay in Hawaii. Don't forget that we really only spent a few bucks a day on food. The plane tickets are a lot, but once you get there, it doesn't have to be crazy expensive. It really doesn't. That's one of the great things about camping. All right, let's head back to the mainland USA. So living in Ohio, we have a few national parks that are pretty close. I, I say pretty close when I mean like six hours around us, right? So we spent some time in Red River Gorge, which is actually a national park now, which is kind of neat, but it wasn't when we went. But this place had all kinds of short little trails. They were mostly paved, actually. And not a bad place if you want a short walk to a great vista. Shenandoah National Park was amazing. We spent a lot of time here, so I really enjoyed it. But I'm a huge fan of Blue Ridge Mountains. We spent a really long weekend there during, like, I get off for fair week. She, she took off a couple of days for that. So we ended up, like, a Wednesday or Thursday through, like, Sunday. It was awesome. We climbed Old Rag Mountain, which I highly recommend you look up that on the Internet. And then go there because it's awesome. But it was a very cool view. It was a great hike. It was about 12 miles round trip. And for the route we took, at least. And it has a rock scramble on it, which is really just a fancy way of saying you have to act like a kid and climb over a bunch of huge boulders. It was quite an exciting achievement for us. And again, the views were just amazing. Panoramic views of beautiful mountains. And because it was kind of a challenging hike, there weren't a whole lot of people. And everyone there was just enjoying the scenery. Nobody was playing their phones. Nobody was playing music. Nobody was being loud and obnoxious. It was so nice and peaceful and just gorgeous. All right, another one is the Great Smoky Mountains. So that one was another one. We, we only actually spent a short period there. We were a, probably a day and a half that we were actually there, but it was still great. We really want to go back, but we spent more time near the water at this one. We, of course, go to the top the, by the visitor center. is a cool little thing you walk up. But anyway, we spent most of the time looking at the rivers, and, and the rivers just running down these mountains just make you want to sit and just watch them. It's just so neat. So many big rocks that make the water kind of twist and swirl. It's just the kind of place that makes you want to sit down and be like, I'm building a cabin now. You know, it's just one of those kind of places. Another one that was a little bit less impressive but still worth the visit was Assateague National Seashore. So my wife and I went, and she was actually seven months pregnant at the time. So we didn't take too many long walks, but we did do some walking. We did do some camping, of course. And the wild horses were just like the pictures on the internet. It was amazing. These horses were everywhere, just as majestic as you would expect a wild horse to be. We also like saw some new species of deer. I mean, new to us, of course. Like We didn't see a new species of deer that had never been seen. But it was new to us and it was super neat. It was just like a big dog. Like Deer are kind of substantial creatures. But this sucker was actually like half that size. It was neat. Then, of course, there are countless state parks and even smaller local parks that offer camping. There's too many that we've been to to even list here, but hopefully I can do a podcast on more of them individually as time goes on. So just to do a quick recap, camping can be very easy, so just get started with it. Get a cheap tent from a company that's reputable, you know, like one of the companies that you have heard of before, and go explore a local or state park as a test run, right? Give it a quick little run out. Bring along some easy-to-cook or no-cooking-required kinds of foods, and as you get better, start trying new dishes. And Maybe someday you'll get up to that Pinterest dish you saw on the internet, right? Make sure you have a way to, to get your water and to hold your water. 
but most people just have a water bottle and most of the time that's fine if you're not doing anything too crazy right so don't make it too hard the most important thing is that you just go and do some camping it gets easier with time and you get better at it with time too thank you for listening and i hope all of you listen in next time and when you go camping make sure you do it carefully and with enthusiasm bye everybody